This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I encourage you to have your Bible handy if you want to take some notes tonight. We're going to uh, be in a last uh, study this evening and then closing it out uh, through the rest of the winter uh, months. Uh, until we uh, finish up these great Bible Institute classes that we're going to be having. As I did when we started to look at Pilgrim's Progress, let me again make you aware that uh, there is an illustrated version of this uh, that has been put together by uh, Brother Ken Ham with illustrated full-length text and and so on, uh, and Answers in Genesis. It's right here. Uh, again, lots of pictures, but it's designed for families to be able to go through and study it together. Uh, sometimes Bunyan will use some old words, and in this, those words, the modern definitions are given, so you can explain that to your children. Uh, there are exercises for kids at the end of each little section. Uh, so that uh, you can photocopy those, kids can color, draw, uh, but it really helps the truths that we've been looking at to come alive for them. And so as we measure the Pilgrim's progress, tonight we find Pilgrim, he's left house beautiful, he's ascended down into a valley called Humility, he is in the armor of God. So he is fully armed now. Got the armor. And as Christian walked across the valley of humiliation, he got but a little ways and he saw a foul demon coming across the field to meet him. The demon's name was Apollyon. Do you recognize that name? Okay. It's a... Bible name. Let me give you the reference for it. It's in Revelation chapter 9. In fact, if you want to turn there and look at verse 11. Revelation 9 verse 11. Bunyan drew this character and his name from this passage. Here's what Revelation 9 11 says. And they, this is talking about the demons uh, in chapter 9 had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. By the way, Apollyon, do you know what it means? The name means destroyer. Okay, destroyer. He is a murderer from the beginning. He's, he's fathered death. I love Revelation 9-11 because he is king over this bottomless pit. But during the millennium, King Jesus grabs him by the snuff of the back of the neck and shoves him into his own pit. And he's stuck there for a thousand years. Reminding us again, who's in charge? It's not Apollyon. It's not Apollyon. But Apollyon comes across the field. Then Christian began to be afraid and to cast in his mind whether to go back or stand his ground. Then he considered the truth he had 
that he had no armor for his back. Have you ever considered that, Ephesians 6, about the armor of God? Your back is not protected. God never intended for you to run. Right? So there was nothing for, to protect his back, and therefore thought if he turned back, his foe might have greater advantage to pierce him with his darts. Therefore he resolved to stand his ground. If he would save his life, it would be the best way to stand. Again, that passage in Ephesians 6, having done all to not run, but to stand. Now consider, again, there's no protection in Ephesians 6 for the Christian soldier who turns to run from the enemy. That is not saying, as in the life of Joseph, that there aren't times where God's servants need to run from temptation. Not talking about that, but when you when you are facing as a servant of Christ, one of his soldiers, the enemy, all right, you've got armor to stand your ground. And what we read in Ephesians six, that is that's there are defensive parts of the armor, but it is always intended to be a defense as the soldier of the cross moves forward. We see this again in James four and verse seven. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so Christian went on. Apollyon met him. Now the monster was uh, uh, insidious to behold. He was clothed with scales like a fish, and they are his pride. He had wings like a dragon and feet like a bear. And out of his belly came fire and smoke. In his mouth was as the mouth of a lion. When he came up to Christian, he beheld him with disdain and thus began to question him. And so Apollyon said, Where have you come from and where are you going? Christian, I am come from the city of destruction, which is the place of all evil, and I am going to the city of Zion. Apollyon, by this I perceive you are one of my subjects, for all that country is mine. And I am the prince and God of it. How is it then you have run away from thy king? Were it not not that I uh, hope you uh, may do me more service, I would strike thee down with one blow to the ground. Christian responds, I was indeed born under thy dominion, but your service was hard and your wages such as a man could not live on. For the wages of sin is death. Therefore, when I was come to years, I did as other wise persons do, look to how I might mend myself. So Christian has already learned and this is what he expresses to Apollyon, the way of the transgressor is hard. There is a way that seems right unto, unto a man. The ends thereof are the ways of death. The wages of sin is death. Apollyon responds, There is no prince 
who will thus lightly lose his subjects, neither will I as yet lose thee. Since you complain of thy service and wages, be content to go back, and that our country will afford, and what our country will afford, I do here promise to give thee. Just go back, it will be worth it. Turn back, you'll experience reward. That's what Apollyon is saying. Let's just pause for a moment. Note that the devil's first tactic is not to strike down people who are considering continued service to him. That's not his plan. The way of the transgressor is hard. But Satan will put it in nice bright lights. He'll paint it so it sparkles. And he'll try to convince you that that will satisfy and that that's the right way. It's all a lie. He doesn't show you the death and the misery and the heartache and the guilt. He doesn't show you any of that. And so he's trying to convince Christian, now if you just turn back, things will be better. Satan's attack on our Savior is a prime example. He appealed to Jesus' physical appetite and pride because he knew he could not physically defeat the Son of God. When you're yielded to God, he can't defeat you. It won't often be a direct attack. Many times what he chooses to do is tempt and appeal to our flesh and to get us think, to think that somehow it will be better to serve him, there will be joy and reward. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, are the deadliest arrows in Satan's quiver. Because man, according to James 1.14, is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. We have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let me ask you a question. Of those three, which is the strongest in you? I gave it away. It's in you. It's your flesh. It's your flesh. Remember what we learned from Christian's previous journey. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press towards the mark. In Hebrews 11, again, we're reminded if they chose to look back, they perchance would have gone back, the writer of Hebrews says. And the whole principle is this. Christians who don't look back are not tempted to go back. And I'll tell you, as your pastor and a fellow servant and a sheep too, I have to constantly discipline myself. Because I want to think back. Have you ever thought back about the things you wish you could have done differently? Do you know that that is not God's plan for you? It is not His plan. He says, forget those things which are behind. Look ahead. And by the grace of God, move forward. So Christian responded, I have given myself to another, even to the king of princes. And how can I with fairness go back with thee? Apollyon, you have done this according to the proverb. You have changed a bad thing for a worse, he tries to convince Christian. You'll see, it ordinarily happens that those who have professed themselves his servants, 
speaking of the king, after a while, give him the slip and return to me. You do the same and all will be well. In your Christian journey, have you ever heard a voice that said, is it worth it? Why don't you go back? It would be so much simpler, simpler, and by the way, does it matter anyway? You ever heard any of those things? It's not God. And that's what Pollyon is trying to say to Christian to convince him. Christian said, I have given him my faith and sworn my allegiance to him. How then can I go back from this and not be hanged as a traitor? Now you think... Where's that in the Bible? Well, stop for a minute. This is allegory, okay? But here's what is interesting. At age 16, John Bunyan was conscripted into the parliamentary army. He was drafted and served under Cromwell. And he understood that after swearing allegiance to one side and then to go to the enemy's side was worthy of the traitor's noose. Question, Christian, do you view any service to the devil as this kind of treachery? When we hear that somebody's been selling American secrets to one of our enemies, we think, uh, traitor. Lock them up, throw the key away. Yeah, but every time you turn your back on the Lord and you start going back to the old ways and pleasing your flesh and doing things that Jesus died for, that's treachery. Apollyon says, you did the same to me, and yet I am willing to let it all pass. If now, you will but turn again and go back. Now remember, Satan was a traitor from the beginning. Any loyalty to him is the same treachery. And so Christian's response to Apollyon is accurate. He says, What I promised you was in my ignorance, and besides, I count that the king, under whose banner I now stand, is able to absolve me, yea, and to pardon also what I did in compliance to thee. Besides, you destroying demon, I like his service, his wages, his service, servants, his government, his company, and his country better than yours. Christian, would you just pause for a moment and really answer the question, so what did you give up to follow Jesus? I didn't give up anything. Death, guilt, shame, Mean people, people that'll smile one time, stab you in the back. And, and what did I gain? And, and many Christians will attest to this. That, that was my past life. That was maybe even my real family. But now I have a new family. I get to fellowship with God's people. I get to walk with Him. I have treasure in heaven. I have peace. And that's what Christian is saying. Everything about my new life, I love it. Therefore, he said, leave off trying to persuade me further. I am his servant and will follow him. Apollyon, consider again when you are dying in cold blood 
that you chose the way you are going. You know, for the most part, the king's servants come to a violent end because they oppose me and my ways. Now, again, let me just stop and say, who's writing this? It's Bunyan. How many of you have gotten to visit England? All right, a few of you. Okay, how many of you have gotten to visit the Tower of London? For a Christian visiting the tower, what, what strikes you the most is not the crown jewels, just saying. I mean, they're impressive. But that was the place for centuries in British history where Christians gave their lives for being loyal to Jesus. And, and on the Thames and those steps that come up into the fortress... How many believers walked up those steps, were, were imprisoned, and then beheaded because they were loyal to Jesus? That's what you come out of the tower thinking, wow, what, what a testimony these, these people had. And some of them were, were queens. <laughs> they were royalty, but they feared God more than man. But Apollyon goes on, how many of them have been put to shameful deaths? And as you consider his service better than mine, he never yet came from the place where he is, speaking of king, the king, to deliver any that served him out of their enemy's hand. But as for me, how many times, as all the world knows, have I delivered either by power or by fraud those who have faithfully served me, and so I will deliver you. Now this reminds us of what David said in the Psalms. It looks like the enemies of God, that evil men can do what they do with impunity. Right? Nothing happens. Their, their, their families are happy, they're rich, they're successful. Nothing seems to happen. And then David said, then I look to their end. <laughs> and God opened my eyes. Okay. What does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and lose what? Their soul. So Satan is pro promising deliverance. Now let me ask you a question. We'll have a little discussion here tonight. Is it true that King Jesus never once came from his place to deliver any that served him to deliver them out of the enemy's hand? True or false? You're not sure. True or false? Did he ever leave his kingdom to come and bring deliverance to people here? We just celebrated Christmas, folks. Made himself of no reputation. Took upon himself the form of a servant and was made just like man. And then went to a cross. Now, he gave up everything. But what Satan here is referring to is, you Christians, you keep dying and suffering. Where is he? When's he coming back to deliver you? But I'm here delivering my servants. Again, Calvary answers the question that, that Apollyon answers. But of course, the devil here in this story is referring to Christ's return to deliver his own. To this, Christian replies... His waiting at present to deliver his servants is on purpose to try their love. 
Why hasn't Jesus come back? Some of you have suffered much physically and and maybe have lost jobs and your families have ridiculed and and neighbors, whatever. Why hasn't the Lord just come back and delivered you? Well, one of the reasons is he's just testing your love. He loves you. You don't ever have to question that. But now he gets to watch you love him back no matter what your circumstances are. And question, is he going to come back and fix your circumstances, yes or no? (laughs) Is he going to come back and fix your circumstances? Yes, a trumpet's going to sound. And you get to forever enjoy perfection and peace. But right now, you get to prove to him you love him regardless of the hardships that you face or even the attack of the enemy. And so Christian goes on, as for the violent end you say his servants come to, this is a glorious end on their account. What's Bunyan saying? It's a privilege for them to die and have the end you're talking about. Now, does the scripture support that? If you want to take your Bibles, look over at Acts chapter 5 and verse 41. Acts 5 and verse 41. This is after the apostles are brought yet again in front of the Sanhedrin. This time they're not just threatened. This time they're beaten and then they're threatened. And notice what Acts 5.41 says. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Can I just remind us, it is probable... And this is why visiting the Bible lands and these uh, and studying the Word of God, it's probable that these guys were beaten in the exact area where Jesus was beaten before he was sent over to Pilate. Again, the high priest's house, the basement was a dungeon. Uh, those of you that were in Israel, you remember when we were in Jerusalem, we visited visited these areas, uh, and so. Where they were beaten was probably near, if not the very place where Jesus was beaten as part of his suffering. Listen to what Jesus said to the church at Smyrna in Romans 2 and verse 10. I'm sorry, Revelation 2 and verse 10. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee the crown of life. We kind of want to withdraw from this thought. But folks, if you get to suffer for Jesus, it's a privilege. Now, we may not feel that way when we're strapped to something and they're beating our backs. (laughs) Or you're in a cold cell and it's cold. But that the Lord would give us that privilege after all the suffering he's done for us, that's an honor. Christian understood that, and that's what he's saying to Apollyon. And so we move on. Apollyon, well, you have already been unfaithful in thy service to him. And how do you think to receive rewards from him? Christian responded, Wherein have I been unfaithful to him? Then Apollyon began to accuse by reminding Christian of all his failures along the narrow way. 
Remember, this is one of Satan's tools as well. He will team up with your flesh and the world to accuse you. He is the accuser of the brethren. But he will be permanently cast from heaven, Revelation 12, 10, where he can't accuse anymore. So Christian says all this is true and much more than you, and much more you have left out. But the king whom I serve and honor is merciful and ready to forgive. Besides, these failures possessed me in thy country, and I have groaned under them, repented for them, and have obtained pardon from the king. Then Apollyon broke out into a grievous rage, saying, I am an enemy of the one you now serve. I hate his person, his laws, and his people, and I will withstand thee. At this moment, Apollyon straddled the width of the road and said, Prepare to die. I swear by my infernal den, I will spill thy soul. And with that, he shot a flaming dart at Christian's breast. But the shield in his hand caught it and so prevented any danger. Then Christian drew his sword as Apollyon hurled darts as thick as hail. Christian was wounded in his hand his head, and his foot. And those, by the way, who have read Bunyan's work here have just paused to marvel at that. Was Satan able to wound Jesus? Hands, feet, head. And then after he died, a spear in his side. And so others who have have just studied what Bunyan wrote. This, this is really a picture of the attack of Satan and the bruising, the wounds that did happen. He goes on, the conflict raged for half a day, and at one point he felt pressed even unto death. Is that possible for God's servants, his soldiers? Yes, 2 Corinthians 4.11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. But as God would have it, while Apollyon was fetching his last arrow, thereby to make a full end of this good man, Christian nimbly thrust forth his sword, with which the enemy received a mortal wound. Christian, perceiving this, struck him out again. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, he shouted. With that, Apollyon spread his dragon wings and sped away, and Christian, for a season, saw him no more. Say, well, that's just fantasy stuff. Fantasy stuff. It's not what the Bible says. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and Apollyon, this great enemy, will flee. Because he's afraid of you? No. You're indwelt by King Jesus. And he's already been whooped once. And when he comes for you, if you yield to the Son of God, you will be victorious. And so it's important as we finish this part of the allegory to watch Christian continue on his journey with sword drawn and his shield at the ready. Don't go anywhere without the sword and without the shield of faith. And then what did Jesus say? Watch and pray. 
that you don't enter into temptation. Apollyon retreats, but Christian must watch and pray, for the enemy continues to seek those that he would devour. So as we start the new year, and you travel, pilgrim, down that narrow path, expect to meet enemies. Expect to meet the enemy. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And so let's get up in the morning and spend time with our king. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to withstand all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for what we've been able to learn as we've studied through this portion of the Pilgrim's Progress. As we've assessed his progress, you've allowed us to consider our own journey. Help us to go forth in the strength of the Lord God, Jehovah. Keep us safe and healthy as we go from here tonight. Help us to be faithful to you. Thank you that we are more than conquerors. Lord Jesus, you are the victor. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.